You are back on Arts Vision here on Sin Nation with Tom and Shreyas. And on the phone right now, we have uh, Bianca Gannon. Welcome, Bianca. Hi, thank you. Uh, well, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. You are here to promote The Sound of Shadows, Sugar Coated, which is a musical performance. Can you tell us a bit about your show and what inspired you to create it? Sure. So The Sound of Shadows uh, is a series of concerts um, that explore endangered Indonesian instruments um, that happen to have their their primary function is actually that they're related to the production of food, and their secondary function is that they're incredible instruments as well. Um, and we pair that with shadow puppetry. So this is the second installment, which is called Sugar Coated, and it will be in the Melbourne Recital Centre in December 14th as part of Mapping Melbourne Festival. Um, so this one features three instruments. It's our, our most ambitious work. Um, which is Bundingen, a duck herder's rain shield and zither, um, rantok, a polyrhythmic rice pounding instrument uh, for many players from Lombok, and gula gending, an uh, itinerant fairy floss vendor's set of steel pans and sort of one-man gamelan, also from Lombok. Right, so um, a range of Indonesian instruments there. Now, uh, Bianca, you are from Ireland, I understand. That's right. Yeah, so how did you come to hear or learn, come to learn about these instruments? Mm. Well, um, I first learned about Indonesian music while studying uh, an ethnomusicology module that's part of my music degree um, and was completely enamored by, by everything to do with Indonesian music and eventually had the opportunity to learn and it sort of snowballed out of control, various um, trips and scholarships to Indonesia, learning all sorts of cultures there. Um, and yeah, these instruments themselves, um, a few of them, such as the Gulagending and Orantak, I learnt from a well-known blog called Oral Archipelago. Um, he's a DIY ethnomusicologist who sort of travels uh, all over Indonesia, guerrilla style, um, documenting rare and endangered, uh, uh, not, not so often heard musics there. Um, and Bundingen, um, the, the rain shield, um, I, I found that by chance I met a conservator uh, who was conserving uh, the materials of the Bundingen, um, which is, was, was really only played by, by less than a handful of people at the time a few years ago. Um, so once I, once I heard about these instruments, one thing led to another, and before I knew it, I was organizing a concert with, with piano and shadow puppetry and uh, digital art in Melbourne, and also our first uh, show, which is called Entree, we, we did it in Sydney as well. Now, I've just started learning the guitar, and I thought I was well-cultured, but those seem like a variety of um, instruments. Does one learning one lend itself to learn the other, or were they completely different? Hmm. Yeah, um, uh, so Indonesia is a, a huge country with over 200 cultures, but there's a lot of similarities between a lot of the musics there, um, gamelan being the overall sort of arching form there. Um, there's, of course, many other types from other uh, colonial influences and things, but that's, that's, a, that's a huge part. So from learning Balinese gamelan extensively and a little bit of other types of gamelan, such as Javanese, um, I have sort of a, a basic understanding of how things like um, repetitive gong cycles work and other rhythmic devices. So that's really um, helped shape my 
um, musical understanding as well as um, sometimes cultural understanding, though there's, there's a lot left to learn. Um, and then I think playing piano as well, if you can do two things at once, uh, you know, something independence between your left and your right hand, that, that can often help to play um, the Bundingen, which um, uses uh, badminton strings with prepared bam- with bamboo stops, so it acts like a prepared piano to make these incredible gong-like resonances um, with your right hand, four of them, and then on your left hand, there's these three vertical bamboo strips that are sort of like fingers, and you play them with your fingers um, that create the four pitches of the Javanese kendang drums. So that's sort of a one-man gamelan. So being able to have to play the um, the gongs at the same time as being able to play the drums uh, definitely helps to have some some knowledge of gamelan and and maybe playing an instrument like piano. And the follow-up question to that one, Bianca, as composer, are there any difficulties to composing for these instruments that you might not experience, say, on a piano? Sure. <laughs> um, there's there's um, challenges and, and, you know, amazing uh, discoveries. Um, I, one challenge uh, could be um, notation. These, 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 these instruments um, don't have any form of notation. Um, it's all an oral tradition, um, but um, but I, I, I actually quite like to work in that way, and it makes it more collaborative with the musicians. So while I am the, the overall composer, um, it's been very much a collaborative work with my with my colleagues, um, and just just a case of sort of creative development, improvising, trying things out, me, me asking things. Um, another thing is tuning. Um, I, I quite like that. Uh, all, all the Indonesian instruments don't follow the Western uh, tuning, um, but with the Bundingen, every every hour it's changing, um, changing pitch and changing uh, tuning slightly. So that's uh, that can be difficult to to manage. Not not yeah, a, a little bit of a challenge to to, to manage. So it sort of helps to be very flexible. Um, I think with all things in in, in Indonesia, um, some some flexibility. Um, and then I guess um, yeah, um, amplifying them, things like that. Um, some yeah, and as well as I guess being quite, trying to be quite uh, respectful and aware of uh, the culture there. Um, people, for the most part, um, or or for for the whole part, um, any any of the masters that I've been learning from in Indonesia when I've told them what I've been doing um, in my compositions here, in my work here in Australia, they've been incredibly supportive of that and they, they really believe in the evolution of music and not um, freezing compositions or freezing art forms in time that they keep evolving. Um, so for, for the most part, it's been yeah very rewarding. Bianchi, you mentioned that um, these instruments in uh, Indonesian traditions, they are oral is that something you take to uh the stage performance as well do you let your uh fellow musicians improvise with the instruments yeah uh to a certain degree for sure um uh yeah there's a certain amount of fixed and a certain amount of um improvising not not quite improvising in in a in a in as free a sense um that the, that jazz musicians might have solos and things like that more a case of like this is the the structure and if you sort of keep within that pattern then it will all sound you know pretty much um how it's meant to sound so it's more a uh, case of variations i guess often 
as opposed to improvising, but we do have a few improvised sections, especially with our singer, who's a, a famous Sinden singer from Central Java, uh, Penny Chandrarini. Um, so that's the Javanese court style. So she sort of moves very freely. Um, she herself is a great composer. She moves very freely between um, this Javanese court style and more experimental styles, and we've been um, yeah, improvising a lot between piano, uh, voice and also the gula ending seems to work quite well for that the fairy floss vendors instrument now that all sounds really hard enough as it is but you've also added shadow puppetry to that mix um does that fuse well or does one lead well to the other or does one flesh out um the other more how did the idea to make the two mix come about um, I think the original idea came just from the shape of the Bundingan because it's such a, a beautiful shape. Um, it's sort of a uh, it's sort of a cape, sort of a hut. Um, sort of is a similar shape to um, in shadow puppetry in Indonesia the the mountain shape. So it's, it's just a really incredibly beautiful shape. And sitting under it and 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 spending many hours looking at it. Um, I just had the idea that it would be so beautiful to, to pair it with contemporary shadow puppetry. Um, and I think as well, in, in Australia, most people don't have any sort of basis in where any of this is coming from. So um, there's already a lot going on and a lot to, to look at with the instruments. They're amazing. So we are trying to leave some, some space for that. Um, but just to, to tell the stories more of where these instruments are coming from, what their what their function is, and what the implications of that are on a larger scale. I thought that shadow puppetry, which is is, is very common in Indonesia, uh, would be a great way, great visual element to, to make it a more immersive experience and to help the audience uh, understand even deeper and have an even deeper experience of these incredible instruments. The Sound of Shadows Sugarcoated will be playing at the Melbourne Recital Centre on Friday the 14th of December at 7.30pm and we've been talking with the artistic director and composer Bianca Gannon. Bianca, thank you very much for making the time to speak to us today and uh, all the best for the upcoming performance. Thanks so much and thanks for having me. That's not a problem. Thanks, Bianca. Thanks.